Right. Good morning, Christ Church. Good to be with you on this Sunday morning as we kick off a new sermon series. We are starting Divine Direction. You followed the footprints. You found your way into the worship sanctuary, so that's good. Step one, we are going to be looking at what it means and what it looks like to ask meaningful and important questions in our lives and to seek after God's will, his purpose, uh, to step into sometimes a word that's used as discernment, to step into discernment, uh, seeking to understand what is God's will, desire, his divine direction for my life, that of my family, and that of this greater world. So that's what we're going to be unpacking over the next couple weeks. And honestly, I think it's one of those questions that is one of the most often asked questions, that at one point or time in your life, you will ask this question, whether you're a Christian and you're asking God, whether you are exploring other faiths or of a different faith, everybody eventually kind of looks to the cosmos and asks, what should I do? What should I do in relation to the situation or circumstance that I find myself in and the question that is posed in front of me? What should I do, God? What is your will? What is your desire? What do I do with this? You know, examples, sometimes some of the bigger examples could be, uh, should I marry her or not? That's a big one. Uh, Should I take this job? Should I pursue this? Should I look for another job? Should we move? What if it means taking a job means moving? Should we move to be closer to the kids? Should we move to be uh, in a different place as it relates to our, our, the future of our kids? What should we do in relation to our kids? How do I make this decision about what's right for them and what's good for them? What should I do? Should I hold them back a grade? Should I put them ahead a grade? Should I have them involved in all these things? Should we peel back in some of these things? How do we make purchases like a car or a house? What should I do. How many of you at one point or another have asked that question of yourself in life? All right, pretty much everybody, right? Pretty much the way it goes. We are all in situations or circumstances at one point or time and another in our life where we ask this question. And as a result, it's important for us to step back and specifically, if you're a Christian, to look at what might God have to say. How do we understand, how do we get in sync with what God might want in relation to the answer of this question? Simple reality is that making choices, making these sort of decisions, is not an easy thing. We joke when we show the little eight ball and you shake it, right? Hopefully you did not decide whether or not to marry her based on the eight ball. You feel me? Important, valuable decisions in our lives are not made with the flip of a coin because they are complex and they are meaningful and they hold significance and there are ramifications and consequences to the decisions that we make. Decision-making is a complex and important process. It is meaningful because the outcome impacts you and impacts others. Sometimes the circumstances have to be taken into account. What's going on in your life and the lives of others around you who will be affected as a result of that decision? Sometimes making a decision is just downright confusing 
It's just hard to even grasp what the situation is and how to even move forward to get to a decision. And admittedly, sometimes for us Christians, if you're a Christian, we make things even more complex and more confusing. We can make decision-making even harder for people. We throw out lines like, well, it's just got to be part of God's plan, or it's all in God's timing, or, oh, God just has a way, you just need to figure it out, or, well, it's just happened according to God's will. Have you ever heard and or spoken some of those phrases before? Have you ever heard that or come against some of those phrases? Okay, if you have, I know you're well-intentioned, and I know you are well-meaning. But you guys hear me say this about a bunch of different things because Christians, we, we cause a lot of confusion on a lot of different topics. This is one of them, God's will. Big confusion around this. If you are saying some of those phrases, be careful because you're not providing a full picture. It's not that what you're saying isn't true. It's just it's not a complete answer. And so when someone goes to you as a wise, discerning Christian person, and they say, what should I do in this? Be careful about invoking God's name and God's will. A lot of things have been done in this world under the banner of God's will. Y'all feel me? You know what I'm saying? And some of those things have been destructive and terrible. Yes? Yes. So be careful when you make a decision or when someone invites you to weigh in on decision about invoking God's name and his will. And it has to do with the reality that things are situations and people's lives and this world is complex. And so making decisions is complex. So when you take all of these things and you start adding them up, it's no wonder we're preaching a sermon series on it. And underlying some of these questions, underlying some of the threads of thought that go along with the sermon series is a question of control, ultimately. We have... uh, cultural norms out there. There are other spiritualities out there, and we even as Christians will sometimes perpetrate some of these phrases and some of these lines about God's will and, and, and how it works in this world. We, we have things out there like karma, God's will, destiny. Should I have this house? Should I buy this house? Oh, it's destiny that I have it. Really? It's like three times your budget. That's destiny, Colin? Right? It's important for us to pause at the very beginning of this conversation. Recognize the complexity of the conversation. And ask the starter question, analyzing how much we even get to make our own decisions. Before we ask the question of what should I do in this circumstance, what decision should I make, we need to step back really quick and make a baseline and ask the question of what can I do? What decisions can I make? If it's God's will, then I must have it. It's God's will or blah, 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 blah. Hold on. How do you even know that? What decisions do you actually make and are therefore responsible for? 
A lot of different faiths and faith practices try to answer this question. This morning I'm speaking out of my own faith practice, which is Christian, of course. The Christian faith does have a way in which it tries to get at and describe so that it becomes accessible to us as Christian people what decisions we can and cannot make. Now, admittedly, hopefully you all stopped at the coffee and had your coffee this morning because what we're going to do and what we're going to talk about is, is more deep than normal. This is more complex because the conversation is complex. The best way that I can describe this to you from a, Christian, a Judeo-Christian perspective, a Christian perspective more specifically, is this. That decision-making within the Christian faith happens on two levels. There are two levels. There is an upper level and a lower level. You'll see why this is important later on. There's an upper level and a lower level. The upper level is what God decides for you and for this world. That's big picture stuff. That is the overarching narrative. That's like the big cosmological, I mean, that's the big stuff that God is at work with. And in that higher level, we are along for the ride. God is deciding and has decided, and we are therefore dependent on his decision. Let me give you some simple examples. Creation. God decided to create. I don't know about you. He didn't ask my opinion. I came after the fact. He decided to create and to put into motion creation. And that would be the beginning of the story. He has laid out that he has secured an intent and a destination for the end of the story. If it began with creation, God has revealed that he has desire and an intent for an eternal kingdom where he is in perfect harmony and in relationship with his creation. That would be us. That's the big picture. And God has done what it takes to ensure that future. On a big picture level, God put things into motion. And he is making the decisions and is the primary actor. We do participate. His decisions impact us. But he is the one calling the shots. Does that make sense? There is nothing that will stop God's coming kingdom because he's God. There is nothing that's going to stop or prevent a perfect, harmonious relationship with an everlasting God and his creation. He's promised that, and he will accomplish that. Good news is, you and I get to be part of that. We are invited to be a part of that. But make no mistake, it's going to happen. That's the upper level. There's the lower level as well. This is where you and I tend to do most of our decision-making and living, on the lower level. The lower level is where we are empowered and entrusted with choice and will. You, you get to make decisions. And in those decisions, you determine your life and impact the lives of those around you. Let me give you another quick, simple example. How many of you had Cheerios for breakfast? 
Nice! You're my first one this morning. Thank you. How many Wheaties? Any Wheaties people? Okay, okay, okay. You didn't eat Cheerios, you didn't eat Wheaties, so that means you're all like me and you eat the same thing every single morning for breakfast, 365, pipe and hot oatmeal, maple brown sugar. What did you people eat this morning? Eggs, all right, come on, eggs, what else? Pancakes, so much yogurt, that's healthy, that's good, they got like the, the stuff in there, right? Do you, do you do the Greek yogurt? We do the Greek yogurt at my house. I don't know about you guys, we do the Greek yogurt, it's got the fruit on the bottom, that likes all the sugars on the bottom, so you just whip that up, and then you feel healthier though, because the good stuff's on top, and the, yeah, anyways. The point is though, actually, that we choose the Greek yogurt. That's one of the choices that we make in our household. Uh, my wife chooses Greek yogurt, so that's what I eat. And more specifically, I eat for breakfast oatmeal every day, right? The point is, you chose what you ate for breakfast. I hate to break to you. I don't know that the scriptures could support in any way, shape, or form that God predestined you to have Greek yogurt versus normal yogurt. You, as part of God's creation exercised your agency and made a decision on what you had for breakfast. Now, whether or not you had Cheerios or oatmeal or yogurt didn't impact where God is taking all of humanity. But it did impact you on your immediate level in life. Make sense so far? You tracking with me? Let me show you in Scripture how this plays out. Let me show you. Here's an example of, in in Genesis, upper level and lower level. Upper level. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Who's the primary actor there? It would be? God. God is at work. God is moving. God is at work. He's the one who's the primary actor there. He is forming from the dust of the earth. Adam, he creates him. He breathes life into them. Now, Adam participated in this. He was part of this experience. But Adam did not lobby God to say, hey, I'd like to be created now. God, out of his own sovereign desire and will, created Humanity, out of a desire to know and be in relationship with you, he made you. Your mom and dad participated in this process as well. But they made you. Now, how many of you lobbied before being made that you should be made? Not possible, people, right? I mean, how many of you picked your parents? Uh Uh-huh, that's what I thought. You see how this works? There is a limitation to our ability to exercise decisions because there are some decisions that are simply above and beyond us. This would be an example, creation. However, look at this in Genesis. So the Lord God formed the ground, from the ground, all the wild animals And all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. 
Fascinating. God makes, he didn't, just, he didn't ask or invite Adam's input on creating animals, but once he did create animals, he brought the animal to Adam and said, Adam, I invite you into this process of what I'm doing, into this ongoing story of creation that I have begun. I'm inviting you to weigh in and to participate in a way where you exercise decision. I have brought you this animal. What shall you name it? Adam looked at the animal and said, cow, and it belongs to the place called Wisconsin. And God said, it shall be so. How do you think we got cows? No, but seriously, this is a great example in the scriptures where people, humanity, you and I, we actually join what God is doing and make a difference based on our choices. That God actually invites from humanity a decision. Now, there's a caveat to this. The upper level, there's a lower level. Most of our decision-making happens on that lower level. However, the two levels are related, and we are impacted by both levels. What God is doing on a broad spectrum, what he is doing in reconciling humanity, does impact how we as Christians lead our lives and the decisions that we make. And the decisions that we make in relation to expanding God's kingdom, sharing faith with others, certainly impacts the bigger story. And, and more specifically, even though God has given us the ability to make decisions, he has preferences related to the decisions you make in your life. He has preferences. He's given you the ability to make the decision. But he's got a certain orientation and and, and stated preference related to your decisions you make. We find these in the Ten Commandments. We find these in the Lord's Prayer. We find these in Christ's teachings. We find these as Christ is sitting and giving a sermon on the mount. He's laying out, hey, this is how God really wants life to be lived. You can live that way or not, but this is the way God intended. This is what God desires. You have the ability to embrace this or walk away from this. You have the ability to be like the wise man who builds his life on the the rock, or you can build your life in a whole different way and not do it God's way. It's up to you to make those decisions, but this very clearly is what God's stated preference is like. Let me give you a modern-day analogy on how this all plays out. We are potty training at my household right now. Say a prayer for me. How many of you have ever potty trained a child before? Thank you for the witness of the saints who have gone before. There is hope. There is light. We are in the throes of potty training in my household right now. Now, let me be clear. On an upper level, it is my sovereign, immutable will. As a father, she will be potty trained. The way in which that happens, the methodology, the participation, whether there are tears or not, she has a lot to say. You feel me? When I sit with my daughter at 5.30 in the morning and hold her hand, 
she gets to choose what book we read. Are we reading Biscuit or are we reading Dr. Seuss? She gets to choose. She also gets to choose whether or not she puts up a fight. Whether there's going to be a whole lot of tears, a whole lot of kicking and screaming. She chose once to kick the little potty over and it went everywhere. It made a mess. How often, through the decisions we make, do we make a mess of life? And in the same way, I can't tell you how excited it was and how silly I feel to share with you this morning. When she had her first success as a dad, oh my gosh, I'm like the guy in the YouTube video. It's like, she did it! She tinkled! Success! I mean, we're dancing in the house. We're throwing a party. She got to pick out her own Paw Patrol sticker. I mean, that's saying something. There was joy and satisfaction for me as a father in relationship with this tiny human being that God has entrusted me to care for. That she, she succeeded. She made a good and right decision. She embraced the potty. The same is true for us in our lives. The decisions that you make, the decisions that God has granted and, in fact, entrusted you to make, matter. They are important. We all know that we can make a mess of life. Hopefully you have also experienced what it is to reap a reward, maybe something more than a sticker, when you do something right. But make no mistake, even though God is working out his sovereign big picture plan, and that impacts us, no question, that's what we live for ultimately. The way in which we live, the decisions that you and I make on a day-to-day basis, God has empowered and entrusted those decisions to you. You get to choose a lot more than you think. You get to choose how you interact with your spouse. You get to choose whether or not you're going to be pleased with your kid or disappointed with your kid. You get to choose on what it looks like and what kind of person you're going to be at work. You get to choose whether or not you're going to show up for that group that you know is important and valuable and you need in your life. You get to choose whether or not you're going to reach out and ask for help. You get to choose your attitude, your spirit and emotions in relation to circumstances and situations. How do you handle this? You have a lot of choice in these things. And in fact, God has entrusted that choice to you. He loves you so much that he actually gives you those choices. And he will respect the decisions that you make. He so values you and your thoughts and your wants and your desires and your opinions that he not only takes into account, he actually turns the decision itself over to you. 
And he will either clean up the mess or dance with joy in celebration. Regardless, he will respect the decision that you make. You see, you are empowered to make decisions in relation to your life and the lives of those around you. That's why it's important we spend these weeks talking about it. How do you make a wise, healthy, God-honoring decision? Because you have been given the ability to make the decision to begin with. You are not some weakling floating through life. You are a beloved, intricately created human being whom God loves and adores and trusts. So much so that he says, here, you decide, and I'll roll with it. I'm excited to see what you do with this job. I'm excited to see what you do with this marriage. I'm excited to see what you're going to do with these kids. Because I'm turning that responsibility of that decision-making over to you. So use it well. And know that I will be with you every step of the way. Know that I have placed my spirit inside of you. And that spirit is not one that's weak and timid. No, it is a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So that when you live into what it makes to to make decisions for your life, you are making decisions that are powerful and meaningful and impactful. God has empowered and trusted you to make wise, healthy decisions with your life. And those decisions will impact not only you, but others as well. That's how much God loves and values you. He entrusts you with the ability to change your life and this world with the decisions you make. Now, because of that, you have the power to grow in this trustworthiness, to grow in the responsibilities that God will give you, to grow into being that person that God trusts so much. You can see it in Scripture. Well, that's not Scripture, but it's good. It's Spider-Man. With great power comes great. You guys ever hear that before? Yeah, all you Marvel fans are like, it's Spider-Man. It's true. He's been reading his Bible. Spider-Man has been reading his Bible because if you look at Luke 16, that's what you find. There is a great responsibility that has been given to you. If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you are dishonest in little things, you'll be dishonest you, will, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, we'll trust you with true riches of heaven. If you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? This translates not only to how we manage our finances and our resources, whether or not we do that in a God-honoring way, but even more than that, beyond our finances. If we are faithful in how we make decisions in small ways, God will continue to turn over to us even more important and more impactful decisions. 
because he will grow in his trust of us just as we grow in our trust of him. We're going to be leaning into that over the next couple weeks. To help us lean into that each week, we're going to finish the sermons with a chance of reflection, discernment, where we are actually going to ask the Spirit to speak to us in profound and meaningful ways. So, here we go. This is how we're going to do that. If you want to look underneath your chair, if you're on the aisles, you'll notice that there is a basket there. The basket has a pen. It's got some paper. I want to invite you to take a pen, take a piece of paper, and hand it on down the aisle so that everybody has a chance to have one. We're going to spend a couple minutes now in service asking God to speak to us. There are some questions that will help guide you in relation to this morning's sermon and in the future sermons. And there's a chance to worship in in this way. This is part of what it means to worship. Eventually we'll be singing as well. This is all of what this discernment can look like and be part of. So let's step into that now. I invite you to lean into these questions, lean into prayer, and lean into discerning God's divine direction for your life is he entrusts you to make decisions about your life.